very happy to be here this morning, and we trust the good Lord's blessings rest upon each and every one of you. And uh, uh, didn't know that I was going to be here. It's kind of surprising to me. But they put the meeting off in Germany one more week because that. Uh, of something had taken place they had to use at stadium, so we don't go until uh, a week from this coming Sunday. Next Sunday, we be at, next Saturday and Sunday, at the Methodist Campgrounds in Camelsville, Kentucky, for a healing campaign. Saturday night will be a healing service at Camelsville, the Methodist Campgrounds, the next Sunday afternoon, I want to preach a gospel message, if the Lord willing, and then Sunday night again, uh, there will be a healing service for the people down that's near my hometown, where I was born and raised. They're born, and I was raised here in Indiana. So you who have friends that's been wanting to come to a healing service, well, the Lord willing, we'll be there next Saturday afternoon, or evening rather. I guess to begin about 7.30. Our beloved pastor is going to go with us to uh, furnish the singing and so forth. And there will be services at the tabernacle here next Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And there will be a, a very fine minister here to speak to you, a surprise. So I'll just let it lay like that because we're trying to get someone who will be a surprise to you for next Sunday. And so now, you who cannot be down at Camelsville to be with us in the meeting, well, I'll come right to the little tabernacle and services will continue on as usual next Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Yeah. We would dismiss, if there happens to be someone here from near Camelsville, we usually try to dismiss for the services, but there we have people who just can't at time get out to those meetings, and we'll have services especially for them and the young folks. So everyone's cordially invited to these fine services. Then we happen to get a, I just talk about time, how it is really increasing. Just think, I leave here at 11 o'clock in the morning out of Louisville, and the next afternoon, immediately after lunch, I'm preaching in Luxembourg and Frankfurt, Germany. Just think, from 11 o'clock here, at, I leave Louisville at 11 o'clock, and the next afternoon I'm preaching in Frankfurt, Germany. It's five hours difference in the time taken off of it, of the time. Just think of that. <laughs> Hard to believe, isn't it? So fast. But we happen, by the grace of God, to get a good through line of the DC-9 from here to New York, and from there on by... Uh, the Pan American. It takes us right straight to Frankfurt. And then we'll be there for for several days, and then we go from there to Berlin. And with uh, the famous Hal Hermann, um, to be with him two nights at Berlin, Germany, the famous uh, converted movie director of Hollywood, and um, was converting one of the meetings out there. And he's a German by birth, and he is back in Germany preaching the gospel under a great tent in Berlin, yeah. and many thousands are coming from behind the Iron Curtain. It's, it certainly is a pathetic thing. One morning I was sitting at Zurich, Switzerland, and 
And there were so many people. We had 126,000 people there at the meeting, so we, we couldn't get out of the place hardly. And so everyone, you know, pathetic and begging to be prayed for and want to know what the Lord would have to say to them. And the Lord said to me, get out and go down towards the seashore or the lake shore. Switzerland's such a beautiful country. And I said, Billy, you walk with me. He said, now, Dad, you're fixing to get all tangled up out there and you'll have to get the police to get you out. And I said, well, the Lord is telling me to go down towards the shore. So I went down and walked way up along. No one, the Germans and Swiss and Belgium and French and Italians at the meeting, nobody recognized me at all. I was walking right on along there. And I have a way of kind of disguising myself a little bit. I doubt my own brother would go give me a Anyway, I was walking right along. We went up there and sat down. Billy said, well, you know they know me, Dad. I said, well, I said, they might do it. But I said, the Lord told me to come up. He said, well, what does the Lord want you to do? Impatience of a kid, you know. And I said, he'll take care of that. So we started walking back alongside the shore. I seen an old fellow sitting there crying. Reading like that. I said, there he is. That's him. He said, you ain't going to walk up and talk to that man. I said, no, he's going to walk up and talk to me. <laughs> I said, now, he is from a way away. Now, I said, he's come here. It's an emergency case. You watch and see if that man don't have something for me. And it's containing a woman's arm. See? I said, said, how do you know? I said, a vision is struck. And that's the same man. That's him sitting right there. And so I said, just look the other way. And I walk on by we went walking on by. In a few moments, he said, Daddy, that man's following us. I said, I know it. We're going to come around a bend. We're going to cross a little bridge, and he's going to walk in front of me and overtake me right there at the bridge. See if he don't. He said, all right. So we went on, and there he stopped, walked in front of me and overtook me right at a little bridge. He said, Bruder Brown. <laughs> and he pulled out his little, had a little satchel like a lady pack. Pulled out of there a little handbag of a thing. His passport, and he was in Russia. And he had a handkerchief in there that he wanted me to pray over and tear it in six strips for a woman with her uh, real bad arm that had been hurt and wouldn't get well and shrinking up. And she was the mother of five children, six strips, see, just perfect. And I looked at his passport from Russia, up in behind the iron curtain. And to think that how the Lord Jesus, seeing that poor Russian, I asked him how many was down there, he said, there's several hundred of us has got through the line and come down to your meeting. I said, how'd you know I was down here? He said, well, we heard it through the Swiss radio. And I said, did you ever hear my services up there? He said, when the little boy was raised in Finland, that went plumb through Russia, all the way through Russia, that little boy raised my dad. So it just goes to show God's got his children everywhere, hasn't he? And Hal Herman told me, he said, Billy, we be there... You know, it's close to the line there at Berlin. He said there'll be maybe 5,000 people or 10,000 people standing when you dismiss the service in 10 minutes. Underground passages, you can't see a person. They go back behind the iron curtain again. <laughs> Come through like moles. So it just goes to show that in the spite of all the atheistic, all of the ungodly, all the Nazism, Hitlerism, Fascism and communism will never beat out the light of the gospel. It's still in the hearts of people and it'll wave on and on and on and on and on. Amen. 
It'll never end. For Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Isn't it marvelous to know that the very reason that you're sitting in this little old hot building this morning with fans of fanning is something inside of a man calling, a hidden power that the world knows nothing about. Only those who've been partakers of it knows what it is. Is the little speakers working up there now? A while ago, I couldn't hardly hear my beloved brother back there. The fans are going, and, and I couldn't understand much he was saying. Well, we're glad this morning to see uh, you in out at this hot day. Don't forget Wednesday night service at the Tabernacle. And I guess you'll hear Brother Neville at the same time next Saturday morning, and then probably he'll, he'll go right on from there down to Camelsville then, or that evening, rather, for the services. And glad to see little Edith and the Wright family up again this morning, Sister Lawton, Many of the rest of you here, and I like to hear Sister Angie and them singing, He Guides the Eagle Through the Path Was There, or whatever it was when we was coming in. I was enjoying it. I was trying to shake hands with Brother Fleeman back there and speak to him a moment. And um, that's the way I didn't get just exactly what it was. Let's see. Well, Somebody here wants, it's a prayer for a limb, a person. Well, last Sunday night we had a marvelous meeting over at the church, the open door. The Lord doing a great miracle there and it's about filled a house full of people this, this week. So it's been a great time, a lot of hot weather, but yet, thanks be to God, we're able to be here at the house of the Lord this morning and ready to serve the Lord. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee just now in the name of Jesus, Thy beloved Son, for all that He has did for us in forgiving us of our sins and inviting us into this wonderful, marvelous fellowship of His uh, suffering and His fellowship of His glory that followed the resurrection to know this of a certainty that Jesus raised from the dead and is alive among us today. How we love him for what he's done. It's seeing how he heals the sick. Made that little blind girl reading Braille the other night. Her eyes to come open. And walk through the building, proving to the people that he's raised from the dead. And now we praise thee, O great risen God. The God of all gods the supreme authority over everything there is in the heavens and earth, ruler and maker. We pray that your great august being will bless us today and thy great majesty ride into every heart this morning, Father, and take control of all we ask for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over in the book of First Corinthians, just by the way of text, we would call it that for a few moments. We'd like to read a verse or two here to give us a background and a little testimony that I want to tell you before we start speaking. I've got a few notes, wrote down here different things I want to say to you about services and something that happened the other day. So I 
won't forget it, I hope. Now, in 1 Corinthians, God's Word always has the preeminence. It's first. Keep His Word. And now, in the 14th chapter, and beginning with the 6th verse, I read this. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall, what shall it profit you except you speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And everything without life give a sound whether it be pipe, harp, or except to give a distinction in the sound, how shall it be known whether it is pipe or harp? For if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for battle? Paul speaking. And then over in Psalms, the first psalm, we read this. Blessed is the man. who God will not impute to him unrighteousness or sin. And the blessed man is a different man, David speaking, saying that how blessed he was, that the blessed man, he was like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water in Psalms 1, and how that he had various fruit in the season. The ungodly would not be so, but he would, he would perish and so forth. But the, the blessed man was God's man. And now, I want then, there's just not too many here today, and I hope it's not too hot for you to sit there for a few moments or at least 45 minutes. I'd like to just talk to you heart to heart today. In the tabernacle, I don't get a chance to do this too often, or out in the meetings to teach doctrine or to say things that I want to say. But out there, it's always on the subjects of divine healing. And out in the other churches where there are different mixes up and certain denominations that teach different theology, well, then I, I can't say it because it hurts feelings and so forth. Even sometimes the word being preached simple and plain, it hurts feelings. And the best thing to do is just stay on the fundamental principles of of Jesus Christ when we're out there and His death, burial, resurrection and His, and His power and love for the people. And that way it causes no confusion because I don't, to me, it doesn't matter to me what church people belongs to. The main thing is if they're Christian. Uh, if you're a Catholic, if you're a Protestant, if you're a Methodist, Baptist or whatever you might be, as long as you are a Christian, that's the main thing. Christ don't look at your church you belong to because they'll all perish and go away someday and break up and not be thought of anymore. But the, the principle of Christianity is the conditions of the heart towards God. And that's the thing that we like to concentrate on. It's to know a brother not by the church he belongs to or the how he wears his clothes, but what he is in his heart. Now, my subject this morning, of course, is the uncertain sound. Now, there's many things that give sounds, and there's many uncertain sounds today. There's uncertainty on every hand. Everywhere you look, in the national affairs, it's, it's uncertainty. The 
the big four meetings that they come together, they write out a declaration. But there's an uncertainty whether the other side will keep their their pledge or not. There's uncertainty about whether it's going to rain tomorrow or whether it's going to be fair weather. There's uncertainty in everything that you look at, but one thing, that's in Christ. That's one thing that you can be sure that's certain. And there's another thing that's absolutely sure to every person in here. I want to leave that thought to you to begin with. It's uncertain whether you're going to live to get out of this church or not. It's uncertain whether you'll ever be back again or not. It's uncertain whether you'll see another year's life. But there's one thing that certainly is sure. That's death and the judgment afterwards. You're just as sure to meet that as God is in heaven. You may make an appointment with your wife and say, Honey, I'll take you to a certain place. Something may arise that you can't do that. You might not be able to keep that appointment. You might tell your best friend, Brother, I'm going to meet you. I'm going to do a certain thing. I'll let you have money or I'll let you have my car. All kind of uncertainty against that. But there's one thing that's sure. That is, you're going to die, and after that, you're going to meet the judgment. So bear that in mind while we're talking on uncertainty. Now, there is people who thinks that just so that we go into church, just so we belong to church, so we hear a good sermon now and then, and so forth. It's all right. Now, being as hot and everything, and I perspire so and under this fan, it all usually makes me hoarse. I just want to talk to you today, if I can, teach to you some things that I know you ought to know. And that is something that'll make you better, that'll help you along the road. I hope that God will help me today to pass something on to you that'll make you realize what you ought to be and what you should be. And by telling you will also make me realize that I've got to be a better man than what I am and what I have been. And each day, let me raise up just a little higher, closer to Christ. That's what we're here for this morning. In the sincerity and in the integrity of our hearts, I believe we wouldn't come to a church hot today where we have to sit here and suffer under the heat just to be coming to church for the fun of coming. I believe there's a certain thing that you come for, that is, for Christ. You never come to hear me, although I may do the best I can, but I never did draw anybody to God. No one could draw it to Christ. You come to hear the singing, perhaps. The singing is very fine. We like that kind of singing. But singing doesn't draw people to Christ. It's it's the Holy Spirit that draws people to Christ, see? Amen. Preaching doesn't draw, although we try the best we can. The pastor and I, we do our very best to, to draw people to Christ or to preach the gospel, but it is the Holy Spirit who has to draw your heart and Amen. give you that certain sound. We can preach the gospel of what we think is right, but the Holy Spirit has to give the sound that echoes in your heart. And there is a certain sound. There's this way, too, that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof is the ways of death. It's a little off the subject, but I want to dwell on that just a moment. 
pertaining to a, a certain person that I might just take in my mind, a mythical person, and name it uh, Miss John Doe. This Miss John Doe, when she was brought up in church, she was a fine woman. She loved God. Oh, she went to church with her mother. She was taught to, to do what was right. Now, God give us more of those old-fashioned mothers that will teach their girls and boys how to do right, to know right from wrong. That's what we need today. we got too many other kind of examples before our young people, Amen. such as smoking, drinking, crowsing, and so forth, that ought not to be. And it's by mothers, so-called. Now, notice, in the, uh, the human body, our makeup, our regular anatomy that we live in here is not made to sin. It's made to do righteous. It's made to serve God. God never made you just to work and come home and love your children. That's all good enough. God made you to work. God made you to come home and love your children and love your wife. And wife to be loyal and love her husband. The children love their father and mother. That's all good. But God made you. That's just the background. For something that God made you to do. God made you to be a worshiper. A worshiper of Him. You'll worship something regardless of what it is. You'll worship your wife. You'll worship your children. You'll worship anything. Your automobile. Your, you'll worship your pleasure. You'll worship something because it's in mankind to worship. Now we want to know what we worship. Jesus told the woman at the well, said, You worship, you know not what. We Jews, we worship. We know that we worship God. Because salvation is of the Jews. Now, and then the woman began to explain to him how she once said in the mountain, once said Jerusalem, he said, The hour is coming and now is when the Father will seek worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. For God is spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. As I was saying a few days ago, either here or somewhere, speaking on the lie detector. Now, notice close now. I want you to pay close attention. Put a lie detector on you, and you try to impersonate the, that truth and try to say that it's truth, but down on the inside of you in the subconscious lays a place called the soul. And this intellectual mind does not govern that vibration of the system. The mind is only a director. It will direct you, and it's very incapable of bringing you to God, your mind. You cannot know God by your mind, intellectual. It's one of the resources or the channels that would lead to it. But your soul is what governs you. You are what you are by your soul. Jesus said to the Pharisees, said, Why, you hypocrites, how can you speak good things when they call him good master and so forth? He said, Out of the abundance of the heart speaketh the lips. And in your heart you hate me. And in your lips you call me good master. He said, You hypocrites. See, your soul is thinking one thing, and you're speaking with your lips another thing. Wow, case. What a horrible thing. What a deceitful thing is a hypocrite. For out of their mind, they say one thing when their soul says another thing. Now, the lie detector will not work on your mind. It will work on your soul. 
It'll not work on your intellect. See, some people can impersonate the truth, impersonate yet it being a lie, and can impersonate it so they can deceive like anything. And Satan's the best of that there is, for he's deceived Eve by that way. Amen. Saying them same things. And the biggest lie was ever told had a lot of truth in it. Now, this person, what if you could ever get this soul on the inside, so in harmony with God, that your soul and God would be one together, then you could ask what you will, and it shall be given to you. Many people come to me many times in the prayer line and stand there and say, Oh, Brother Branham, I have plenty of faith. I've got faith like the move mountains. And yet they haven't any faith. They hardly have enough faith to get to the platform. But they're conscious of one thing that they do believe. They're believing intellectually with their mind. And their mind will never bring them to God. Your mind is reasoning. And God has no reasoning. If you can reason out, your mind will tell you. Now, looky here. The doctor says, I can't get over that. It's impossible. Now, the doctor, with his intellect, with his intelligence, with his uh, knowledge of medical science, he's told you the best of the travel of his mind. And you take in your mind... And using the same thing the doctors told you, you, God can never touch that line as long as you reason. But let's put down reason. God never made us to live by our intellect. We live by the Holy Spirit that's in our soul that says no to any reasoning that's contrary to God's Word. When God's Word says it's so, there's nothing in the world stands in its way. Then, when you do that, you're getting down on the right side of God. You're getting down to you can ask what you want to, and it'll be given to you. Because there's nothing between there. There's no reason. Let's cast away those reasonings. They stand in your way. Get your mind out of the way, and don't you say what you reason, what you see, what you think. Say what God says to be the truth. And that can only come from the inside, from the heart, not from the intellect. That's where so many people today is going to be so terribly disappointed at the day of judgment to know that they've lived in church, to know that they have done good deeds, to know that they have treated their neighbor right, to know that they have been loyal to the people, loyal to the church, and in their mind has believed that Jesus Christ is Son of God and be condemned at the day of judgment. Jesus said, Many are called and few are chosen. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and but few there will be to find it. Now to you people here this morning, I, I want you to set up and take notice to this. You're old enough now. You've heard enough gospel preaching to you ought to be able to, to get off of milk and to come to a real solid gospel diet. Amen. Come to a place where men and women ought to stand. Paul said when you ought to be teachers, why you have to be taught to yet. Now in the soul, where the man lives. You are what you are in your soul, not in your mind, not in your reason. Not because you say, I'll have a better standing. I can associate with better company if I become a Christian. That's reason. See? You mustn't do that. Don't do that. Let it become from a new experience, a new birth. Something has happened not in the mind, but in the soul. That's taken all reasonings away and you become a new creature. And you're in Christ Jesus. 
Miss John Doe, she was a good woman. As far as we know, she married Mr. Doe. He was a fine Christian man. At the age of about all uh, oh, 30 or something like that, Miss Doe was an attractive woman. She goes away. And she begins to associate with the neighbors. She gets out amongst a worldly crowd. Now notice, she gets out amongst the crowd. She begins to associate with the rest of the people. Not bad people, good people. The religious people, maybe in her neighborhood. She begins to associate with those people. And while she is associating with those people, she knows that she is a good woman. And the first thing you know, something takes a hold of her. She becomes attracted to another man. Why? He's a very attractive man. He's more attractive than her husband. And something happens into her that she feels she falls in love with this man. Now, listen. Way down deep in her soul, the Word of God begins to boil up and says, You're wrong. Your vow is that you'll stick to this man until death shall separate you. No matter what he looks like. What a more attractive woman or man. It ain't work either way. You're vowed to this person until death you separate. But you'll go to intellectual. You'll think, here's Mrs. Jones. She plays the piano. She's a good woman. Why, she did this and reasoning. You'll see the other women begin to dress immorally as they wear those little old clothes that they wear in summertime around here, mostly in winter if they could, just simply vulgar, and you'll get out. Now, ladies, I want you to forgive me. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm not here to hurt your feelings. God knows it's not, but I'm here as a gospel preacher to let you know what's truth. Then you do with it whatever you wish to. Then when you go to doing those things, you'll begin to reason. If this woman can do it, she's well thought of. She goes to church. She lives in the ranks of society. Why can't I do it? That's reasoning when your soul tells you it's wrong. God covered women up, man up in the garden of Eden, never stripped them. But it's reasoning. You reason it out. The rest of them are doing it. Younger girls, you, you take the heed this morning to the gospel. The gospel said, let the women dress themselves in modest apparel. Not immodest, modest apparel. And it's getting, it's a disgrace. You know what would happen in Zurich, Switzerland, if a woman come down the street dressed like these women do in America? They'd throw her in jail right there and carry in things. Sure. When I went to Rome, Italy, and went up to the burying grounds of the saints, they even had a sign at the gate at San Angelo, a burial place, the catacombs. And said, American women, please put on clothes before you enter this place to respect the dead. And an honorary, degraded, debauched, low-down place is Italy. And have to speak such words as that. And our preachers are the cause of it from the platform, but not Amen. telling the truth. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. Notice, the woman carries on. She thinks she's all right. After a while, she leaves her husband. She goes off and marries this traveling salesman. Well, of course, he's a handsome big fellow. And after a while, she finds out he's not the man that her husband was. She's not kind like her husband was. And after a while, then, she thinks, oh, well, I've done that. I'll, 
met, fall in love with somebody else. She goes on. She travels on. She goes to church continually. The pastors never took her name from the book. She goes right on to church. She lives just like she wants to live. And the first thing you know, oh, do you say, now look, Mrs. Doe, do you believe in Jesus Christ? With all my heart, I believe in it. But her actions, her fruits, prove that she's not. Don't listen to an uncertain sound. Let it sound out from the gospel here. Proves that she's not. Or she wouldn't be doing them things. She wouldn't be acting that way. She'd have different thoughts. She'd be governed by a different thing. Her soul. The first time she grieved it back there when she started out running around on her husband. Here's her intellect here. Here's her soul here. There's a separating line there that if it ever crosses, it'll never cross back again. It'll never come again. Think of it. And she keeps on. And after a while, when she sins against this thing on the inside of her that speaks about the Word of God, the first thing you know, she'll become all involved in this intellect, leaving the soul on. The Bible says, the soul that sinneth, that soul shall die. Die means to separate. Then the soul, the conscience, that once condemned you isn't there anymore. And you've gone all together into intellectual. You go join some old cold formal church that don't believe in those things. On out into hog-eat-hog. And the first thing you know, the soul that condemns you for the first time you told a lie, the first time you put on those short clothes, the first time you did immoral acts, will become so dead to you, you won't feel it anymore. On and on you'll go. And after a while, death will catch up with you. You're living out yonder. Your pastor will come and say, All things are all right, my sister. You're ready to go now. Everything is all right. She'll believe the same. And the first thing you know when it comes down, why? With all of the reasoning power she has. She's gone to church. She's given to charity. She's done everything that's right. She thinks so. Everything that's right. In her mind, she has followed the dictates of her mind. I know I should go to church. I know I should be friendly. I know I should treat my neighbor right. I know I should do this and that. But still, what is it? She's grieved away this self. And then in the hour of her death, when she gets ready to die, she's laying on the bed. And all at once she wakes up and hollers, Oh my God, I'm lost. The pastor will say, Give her a hypo. She is delirious. And he'll shoot a hypo in it. And she'll try to speak. She can't speak. She'll murmur. What is it? Her soul's caught up with her before death. Not only women, men also who's turned the love of Jesus Christ, who's turned thee down, made fun of it. It'll catch up with you someday. As certain as I'm sitting here this morning, you've grieved it so far till you can't feel it no more, but it'll catch you sometime again. It'll all come back to you, the dirty things, the bad things, the tattling, the babbling, the backbiting, the selfishness, and things that you've done. That'll all come back to you someday. 
laying on the deathbed. How the high pole needle in these last days has stopped the deathbed confession yeah. of thousands. Shoot the needle in him. Numbing. He's trying to speak. What is it? His soul has caught up with him here. That soul and spirit is the thing here that the intellectual is fixing to fail. It's only in the mind. The intellectual, what you live by, is going to perish. But that soul that you grieve from your intellectual is going to haunt you through eternity. Amen. Don't you listen to an uncertain sound. You believe the gospel in its fullness. Yes, sir. Or say, I went to church. I did what was right. I paid my tithe. Those things are all right. But that's intellectual. And look, when they're trying to stop with that high pole needle in their arm, let them be numbed off so they don't know nothing. And they're trying to speak. Their soul is caught up with them. They realize that they're reasoning. Their mind is perishing with their brain. Perishing with their brain, the mind. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Your mind will perish with your death. I'll prove it to you. The lie detector don't take your mind. It takes your soul. The vibration of your nerves don't run on your mind. It runs on your soul. Amen. So your intellectual die when your brain ceases to function. When the blood fails to pour through the brain and the nerves cease, then your mind goes away and your soul catches up with you. And when this woman's soul catches up with her and she says, My God, I'm lost. And they think it's, oh, it's delirious. They shoot a high point in the needle to her and she begins to numb off. She can't speak no more. She's trying. She's a rolling. She's in agony. And the doctor says, Give her another one. Dead her until the death angel sweeps her spirit from her. But that high pole needle might deaden the flesh. It might deaden the mind. But that can't deaden that soul that knows it's seen before. It'll haunt her to ceaseless ages and to eternity. That soul will still haunt and haunt and haunt as the ages roll on. You came from her. You go to her. You came out of eternity. You stepped into a little space called time. You go out of time into eternity. And what you are in your soul as you go out, the same you will be. Oh, my. All right. A little better now. I'm getting the sound. I was just a little loud with it. All right. When? When the... I believe he's... It's the brother Neville. I'm just preaching a little hard. All right. Into eternity. There you are. Some pastor will come up to the woman. Say, um, well, our dear beloved sister, she was such a loyal member in our church. She came every Sabbath day. She helped the poor. She helped the needy. She did all these things. Today, she is in glory. But if the truth is only known out into a haunting place called hell, that soul that's separated from her here on earth, that she listened to an uncertain sound, and she went off into eternity without knowing God, without knowing Christ as the new birth. She believed it in her heart. She believed it in her mind. She thought she was right, but she was wrong. 
It's your soul. What doesn't? Oh, God have mercy. Amen. Listen to a certain sound. The gospel has no uncertain sound. Paul said, if a, if a trumpet sounds, if a soldier hears a bugle blow, there's many veterans here this morning. They know what retreat means. They know what these different signals of this bugle sounds. If this bugle doesn't give a certain sound, just a big bunch of noise, how will a soldier know to prepare himself? If one church says do this, another church says do that, and one church says do this, another says do that, how can the Christian know what to do? One says one thing and one another. But I'll tell you, my dear brother, I'll tell you a place where there's no uncertain sound. That's in the Bible. God's eternal word. It's the gospel. And the gospel is the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit put in action. Yes. Uncertain sound. Jesus standing on earth, he knew where he stood. He knew who he was. He said, I have power to lay my life down. I have power to take it up again. No uncertainty about that. I have. I now have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up. Yes, sir. No uncertainty. Any man or woman born to the Spirit of God knows where they stand, regardless of what takes place or evidence says yes or no. They know where they stand. No uncertainty. Hallelujah. Oh, my. The man who possesses it. The woman who possesses it. Oh, what a blessed person they are. No wonder David said they were blessed. The blessed person. Lay it up on the operating table and take, try to cut the blessing out of him. You'll never find it. It's a hidden power. It's a hidden something. Oh, but it's there. Every man and woman that ever had it knew they got it. No uncertainty about it. Every man that's born to the Spirit of God knows when he passed from death into life. Knows the place, the hour, the minute. When death changed to life. When unbelief of the Bible changed to believe every word of it. When holy, high-minded things passed to humble Christians, they know when death passed to life. Amen. Every man that had it had something different. The world knew it. Every woman had it, had something different in the world knew it. The world can see it. Your actions prove what you are. You can say you got it, but your actions speak so loud that they can't hear your voice. Your life speaks what you are. Samson, he was a man possessed with it. Now, a lot of people try to make Samson a great big shoulders and a great big man. They go out and pick up the gates of the city and walk away. That's no, that's not no great mystery to me. To see a man do that with shoulders that big. Samson was not a big man. All the scripture declares it to be a little shrimp. Little bitty fellow. And he was blessed. Why? He was born that way. That's the way you get blessed is when you're born that way. Not when some priest bless you or some preacher baptizes you, but when God, by the Holy Spirit, gives new birth, and you're born a child. Oh, 
Samson had him in him. And it wasn't Samson, it was the hidden power in him. It isn't some magic word. It isn't rubbing a rabbit foot behind your ear, spitting on a horseshoe and throwing it over that makes the magic. That is what makes the man live a different life. No more than joining church or putting your name on the book or being baptized. Yeah. What makes a man is when God, by birth, gives him the hidden power and blesses him by the Holy Spirit yeah. in his life. What makes him what he is? Holy. Samson, when he walked out there, the lion come towards him. Oh, my. The lion was going to get him. A little curly-headed shrimp about like that. Seven little sissy locks hanging from his shoulders. And he was a weakling. He was a midget. He was a dwarf. Like every man is without God. Yes. But all at once when the lion got ready to get him, the hidden power come out. <laughs> the Holy Spirit come on him. And he grabbed the lion and slew it like it was a lamb. That's where it is. The Christian don't fight back. The Christian don't fuss about it. The Christian sat still. And that hidden power, the blessing of the Holy Ghost goes to work for him. Praise out. Hallelujah. Amen. That's it. David had it. When he danced before the ark of the Lord, he had it. He know what he's talking about. So that's the reason he wasn't afraid of Goliath. It wasn't the rock that David had in the sling to kill Goliath. It wasn't a sling that he had in his hand to kill Goliath. It wasn't a stone that he had in his pocket that did it. It was a hidden power. That blessing of God. When David let loose what he had, God took it and blessed it with a hidden power. So it wasn't David. It wasn't a stone. It wasn't a slingshot. It was that blessing that was on David. That slew the enemy of David. Amen. The Hebrew children had it. They had courage. They said, Our God's able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, but we'll never bow. There was no uncertainty to that. No uncertain sound. What's the uncertain sound to David when he said, You mean to tell me that you'll let me, that uncircumcised Philistine Stand there and defy the armies of the living God. Amen. Said, I'll fight him myself. Amen. 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 No uncertainty. David knew where he stood. God said, David, I took you out of the sheep coat. When you were nothing but a sheep boy. And I made your name great among men like great men of the world. That family looked at him and said, Do all in your heart, for God is with you. No uncertainty. They knew God. They had the experience. No uncertain sound about him. David said, I'll go fight him and today I'll cut his head off. No uncertainty. It wasn't David, it was God in him. It was that hidden power. Not a bit of uncertainty. All positive. No negative. The Hebrew church said, we're not bound to your God's We'll not worship the old form of religions. God's able to deliver us. But if you don't, we're willing to die into the fiery furnace. And you know what happened? When they took God at His word and walked into the fiery furnace, that hidden power come out. 
Amen. Stood all around them. And they had fellowship. One like the Son of God stood among them, paying away the hot reasons and having fellowship in the midst of the greatest difficulty they ever went through. And every man or woman born to the Spirit of God, when the hour comes, make your decision and stand for God without any uncertainty. In the midst of trouble, you'll have fellowship. No uncertainty. They throw Daniel in the lion's den. No uncertainty. He stood there. He had hidden power. Not a rabbit foot in his pocket. Not a charm to wear around his neck. They make me sick with all those crosses and charms and everything Protestant and Catholic both wear. Amen. No virtue in them. It's all right to have it. But to worship it the way you do. Hang it in your car and think it'll keep you in heaven or rest and won't do it. Amen. Only the hand of God can do that. Amen. Amen. The brass serpent was all right. There was no condemnation to the brass serpent. But when they began to get away from God and worship the serpent, the prophet tore it up. Amen. Amen. There you are. Daniel went in without any uncertainty. God's able to deliver me from my mind. But they threw him in the fiery furnace. And I believe in them lions started up there to look at him. There stood a halo of fire around Daniel. And the animals are scared of fire. You know that? Those lions backed off. Why was it? The hidden power that was in Daniel's heart come out and closed him all over. It was that hidden power, that blessing of God that was upon that prophet's life that enshrouded him with a flaming fire like down a gulf in that day when Gehazi looked and saw what was around Elijah. Angels of fire, chariots of fire. There was that hidden power was around Daniel. Peter and John, when they passed through the gate called Beautiful, the Lord spoke to them about a lame man laying there. There was no uncertainty. They didn't have any education. They didn't have any of them belong to a church. They didn't belong to a denomination. But there was no uncertainty about their experience. They had the positive. They didn't have money. They didn't have membership. They didn't have education, but Peter said, Such as I have, I'll give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. They had hidden power. They dressed like other men. They walked on the street. They eat like other men. But they had a blessing inside of them. That gave them a certainty to know where they were standing. Said, I don't have any education. I don't belong to any church. I don't know any theology. I don't have any money. The only thing I have, I'll give it to you if you'll accept it. He said, what is it? He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. No uncertainty. Not stand up and try and see if you can move your foot. Not stand up and try and see if you'll get better. But in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk now. There you are. The uncertainty if it gives the uncertain sound, what will happen? Oh my! Stephen's had so much of that blessed in him. That when they were stoned, Stephen's. Oh my! He had so much of the blessed in him. 
so much of the hidden power. So Stephen's become another person, looked up and seen Jesus stand at the right hand of God. And never even fell the clod when it burned him in the head. Why, well, I could see Stephen's there. He knelt down on his, his enemies, spitting on him and everything else, and climbing. He raised up and looked up to heaven. And he said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. I forgive them, Father. So much of the blessing on the inside of him. What happened? Amen. I tell you, then the heavens opened up. That little spirit was on him, opened their way through the clouds, through the stars, through the mist, until he seen Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, Behold, I see heavens open. Brother, I'd rather have it than all the education, all the money you can pile before me. All my education, I'll drop here. All my mental theology, I'll leave here. All my wealth, I'll leave here. But the hidden power, that thing that made the certainty of the gospel, will take you to heaven and carry you through the valleys of the shadows. Amen. He knows what he was talking about. But I see heaven's open. He had a blessing. He had a hidden power. And he didn't feel any clouds after that. They hit him on the head with the rocks. Hit him from one side to the other. And poor little Stephen, like a baby, laid up in his mother's arms and gone. And he rocked him to sleep on his bosom. The Bible didn't say Stephen died. The Bible said Stephen fell asleep. God have mercy. Brother, that's why I was at the end of the road. Put him on the bosoms of God and rocked him to sleep. He said, see, son, where I'm taking you. He had a blessing. He had hidden power. Not a rabbit's foot. Not a charm in his pocket. But something in his soul that changed him and made him a different man. Paul said, the life that I now live showed he lived a different one one time. Not me, but Christ lives in me, he said. Yes. John the Revelator, he had a certain sound on his voice. He loved the Lord. He lay on his bosom. He had fellowship with Jesus. He lived to be nearly a hundred years old. He done miracles and signs and saw visions. And when they did, they said he's a witch. So they took him over and boiled him 24 hours in a big pot of grease. You know what? That hidden power come out. That hidden power that was in his heart. It shrouded him all around. And when they looked at the pot of grease, that blessing was on John. And it brought him out of the grease without even a smell of grease on him. And they said he's a witch. He's a fortune teller. He's Beelzebub. Every man or woman that's ever tried to live for God is accused of ungodly things. Amen. He's a witch. He bewitched the Greeks. He had so much power of God in him. So much. Not witchery. But what was it? The hidden power of God that was in him. He looked like a man. He eat like a man. He slept like a man. He cried like a man. He was a man. But God was in his man. The blessing was in the man. Blessed is the man, said David. No uncertainty to him. That man knows what he's talking about. I don't care what the world says, what you say about him. Try to make him mad, he won't get mad. 
don't care how much you talk about it, he won't pay attention to it. He'll go on because he's got a blessing in here. He'll pray for you. Amen. That's right. You might do anything in the world. He never paid attention to it. Won't backbite his neighbors and go around and stir up trouble. He'll be a peacemaker. He'll do everything he can. For he's a child of God. Blessed is that man. Yes. One of the Pentecostal people went up into the Pentecost. They were just men when they went up there. But all of a sudden, while they were up there, they were scared. They had the windows closed, the doors closed. They were afraid of persecution. They were good church members up to the time. They had been baptized in water up to the time. But they didn't have that hidden power. They didn't have that certainty. One of them said, If thou be, let me put my hands in thy side. Let me put them fingers in the prints of the nails in your hands. The other said to the women, Oh, it's foolish, you didn't see nothing. But when they climbed them steps and went upstairs, all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven and the hidden power come down. It come into them. Afterwards they were out in the street joyously rejoicing and praising God, preaching the gospel, glorifying God. They had hidden powers. They had powers the world knew nothing about. That's the same. The uncertain sound. Don't believe the uncertain sound. The gospel has no uncertain sound. Say, Brother Branham, well, I believe my church preaches the gospel. All right. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a certain thing to believe. He said, you go into all the world now and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And. Amen. Oh, feel good. And is the conjunction. Don't stop here. Preach the gospel. And these signs shall follow them that believe. So uncertain sound. It's the gospel. Amen. They cast out devils. In my name they shall cast out devils. That's no uncertain sound. The gospel said that's the tone that's in the bell. Glory. the tone of the bell when they're casting out devils they shall speak with new tongues I don't mean the uncertain sound now they speak with knowledge with revelation they have the real gift of speaking in tongues there's something that takes place when they do that's no uncertain sound that's no sound of unbelief not at all if it's a lot of carrying on like we see a lot of times that's unbelief but when you speak with words with interpretation with revelation. Hallelujah. That's the gospel bell tolling. It's no uncertain sound. Amen. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's no uncertain sound. You dear people belong to the Church of Christ back there. You say that's of the devil. It is. Then the Bible's of the devil. See? The Bible said they'll lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. No uncertain sound. Be careful. You hear a lot of church theology. It's uncertain sounds that don't go with the Bible. Paul said, if the, if the trumpet don't give a certain sound, how can we know who to prepare for battle? Yes, sir. Oh, my. Jesus said, these things that I do shall you do also. Even greater for I go unto my Father. No uncertain sound. Not a thing. 
Peter said on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's no uncertain sound. There was a place in the Bible, anywhere, from Genesis to Revelation, where God ever sprinkled a person, that's an uncertain sound. There never was a place where anybody was baptized any other way than in the name of Jesus Christ. Anything contrary is an uncertain sound. Read the Bible. That's what the gospel's made out of. This is the seed. The seed will bear its fruit. But it's good. The kind of fire we need is Holy Ghost and fire. The burn carnality and church energy out of us. To get us back to sons and daughters of God for this mental theology and what you learn in the seminary out here and so forth will pass away and God can get into your heart. That's what counts. Not if you'll say a Hail Mary or not if you'll go down and say the Apostles' Creed, the Protestant Church. That has nothing to do with it. Not a thing. Jesus said, except the man be born again, he'll in no eyes enter the kingdom. Amen. Amen. No uncertain sound. Not a bit. When Elijah went up there, let me show you something. When Elisha was watching Elijah, he goes up and watches him. So what do you want? A type of Christ in the church. He said, I want to see something. He said, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit when you leave. That was a hunger. That was theology. That was mental. He was hungered for it. His mind wanted it. His soul cried for it. That don't mean he had it. Elijah said, you've asked a hard thing. But if you see me when I go away, all right, it'll come to you. Brother, he watched that prophet every move he made. And when that final call come, and Elijah was summoned so on high to appear in the presence of God, God sent him down a chariot ride. Amen. Glory! Oh! Sent him down a chariot with horses horses of fire and a chariot of fire. Said, my beloved servant, step on. It's been well done. Said, all right, Elijah. I see you're watching me. He pulls off his coat and throws it back. Picked up that same coat and put it on. No uncertainty. Walked down to the river. Hallelujah. He seen what Elisha done. He opened it for him to cross that way. He said, if he's still the same and his spirit is up on me, it'll open again. No uncertainty. He whips that rebel and says, where is the God of Elijah? And the sea parted from side to side. And he walked across. Did you notice? He didn't have to go to the school of prophets to get any education. No education there, boy. Wow. Mental theology was finished. He had it in his soul. Watching you down like Elijah down. Jesus said, the same cup that I drink, you'll drink. And the same baptism that I'm baptized with, you shall be baptized with. And the same things that I do, shall you also. What did he do? Spoke in tongues. Cast out devils. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. The same thing that he did, we can too. At the end of our days. As he raised from the dead, so will 
we who are in him. Amen. I can't get my boy up in the morning. It looks like he just got his day and night turned around. I said, Billy, you'll never be no count man. <laughs> get up! If you don't in the morning, go out and wash your teeth and go out in the yard and look at your car and come back in and sit down and read. Don't lay in the bed. No good. Laziness. God have mercy on these lazy, hearty Christians. Become no good. Know so much about it and tell so little to other people about it. He said, Daddy, I just can't get up early. I said, look, Billy, one of these days, you ain't going to have no daddy to take care of you. Daddy's going to be gone one of these mornings. You come in the room and look. Perhaps daddy will be laying there. You're shaking, but he won't wake. I said, then you'll haul me down this little old church in a box. You'll pass by the picture, put in your hand, crying. Look down. Say, my old dad. I wish I'd listened to him. I said, but remember, Billy, I've always been an early riser. Hallelujah. Blessed trumpet sounds, I'll come forth in the first resurrection. I believe in rising early. Hallelujah. Some glorious day by the grace of God. I believe this gospel that I preach. I believe it's the honest truth. Elisha's roll. Don't have an uncertain sound. There's no uncertain sound. The congressman up shop. There was no uncertain sound when the Holy Spirit told me up there before the doctors could even find the amoeba. There was no uncertain sound when the doctor said I was dying. And it was God healed me. It was no uncertain sound. It was no uncertain sound at Green's Mill that night when the angel of the Lord walked up to me. He said, For this reason you was born in the world. No uncertain sound. I went and talked to some preachers about it. They said, Billy, you had a nightmare. But there's been a million souls going to Christ. There was no uncertain sound. That was the voice of God speaking to a piper. Yeah. No uncertain sound. Boy, I just can't preach. When I think of that. I was telling a wife some time ago, I may have told her here before. You know my family background. I love my daddy. He's gone on. He died in my arms praying. But he drank. All my family drank. They've done great harmful things yet. Disgraced in society. My brothers drank. Not because I want to. I cry for him. Pray for him. Everything else used to be before God called me. I'd be standing on the street talking. Somebody, they the on account of name. They did the whole brand. Get away. Somebody else, somebody looked at somebody. They'd get away from him. All right. They'd get away. They wouldn't talk to me. I said to the wife the other day, now I have to slip out in the woods somewhere and hide to keep people from all over the world coming. What did it? Because I studied a lot, because I learned theology, because I got an education, because I joined some church. No. That would have been an uncertain sound. But something sounded one day down in my heart, not in my mind, in my heart. God came in. It's been good ever since. That's amazing grace. The other day I was amazed above anything that's happened in a long time. I'm a great lover of nature. You know I am. I love animals. I just think they're wonderful. I was sitting in my door. Brother Leo and Jean was there. Brother and Sister Woods was down there. Little Billy Gilmore, the milkman, was standing there. 
And at 10 o'clock in the morning, down the road comes something limping, pulling a leg behind him. It turned into my gate and coming up through the steps. It was an old possum. At 10 o'clock in the day, they're blind at that time of day. They're blind all in daylight. They're a night animal. It runs at night. They pray and pray around and get their food at night. All you know that. A possum's an edible animal. And he turned into the gate. I went out to meet the possum. I took a rake. I thought, strange. He may be blind. What makes him act and reeling like that? I laid the rake over him. And he turned and looked at me and growled. I thought there's something strange. I had to look down in her pocket. A possum's one thing besides the kangaroo. There's only two that has a pocket they carry their young in. And in the pocket of the possum, he had eight or nine little hairless babies in there. And a dog had got a hold of her, either a car, broke her leg or shoulder bone, green flies all over, maggots in the ears, and so forth. And here she was hobbling up like that. And she growled because she thought I was reaching for her little ones. I said, that possum's got more motherhood about her. And a lot of women, especially this woman, throwed her baby in the river the other day to get rid of it. I said to Jeannie Leo, sat back there. I said, come here and I'll teach you a sermon. I said, look at the morals of this woman. Look at the morals of this lady. It's a dumb brute. But she's got more lady about her than 40% of the American women. Right. I said, she's got just about an hour to live from the looks of her. But she'll... Spend an hour fighting to protect them little ones. And these women go out here and have little babies and smother them and drown them and throw them in fire and things. Worse than dogs. Worse than animals. The little lady wouldn't wait. She wouldn't even stop barking. She went straight to my step and exhausted and laid there. We tried to get her up. She was gone. She was still drunk and suffering so tremendously. Mrs. Woods come up, Mr. Woods and them, said, Brother Bram, I believe the humane thing to do would be kill the possum, and poor little babies will starve. Said, said, it's the only thing you could do would do it. Someone else come by and said, Brother Bram, won't you kill the possum? Said, kill her, she's dying. Said, she's laying there suffering. Said, take the little ones out and kill them in bed. They're also, they haven't got a soul. It's just a dumb brute. It's an animal. Said, the poor little things will starve to death. The poor mother laying there and them little babies nursing got milk from her and you know what condition she was in. Said they'll die. Said I said, It's true I'm a hunter, but I'm not a killer. Hey. I said, I love to hunt, but I don't kill. Just to be killing. That's a killer. Trying. I don't kill nothing that I can't eat. Or something I can't make use of or something that's destroying. Not kill to be killing, that's a murder. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And I know sensibly in the mental realms, in the right way of thinking, the humane thing would be to do would be kill the possum and them little ones. The possum is dying. Would never gain conscience again. And the little ones that starved to death and drinking that old curdle milk from their mother would probably die in misery. The best thing to do is put them out of their misery. That was a sensible thing. But something down here wouldn't let me do it. Crowds began to come. I had a call. went out. That night, Brother Woods and I were riding out on the road, and Sister Woods and my wife, coming down up around towards Scottsburg, where we was trying to get a little mental rest. Brother Woods said, you see that little puppy back on the road? Says, go get run over. I whirled my car around, went back. 
We pick the poor little fellow up. He is full of fleas and lice and mange him up. Well, what would be the sensible thing to do? Kill him. I couldn't do it. I brought the little fellow home, got me some flea powder and sprayed him, got me some mange cure, gave him a good decent meal, got him hid away up there, trying to get the little fellow to get well. He wants to live. There's something about life that's real. Don't impersonate Christianity. Get life. Live. Don't just have to batter yourself around and say, well, I'm a Christian. I ought to do this. I ought to do that. Live. There's one who cares for you. That night at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, there are little possums still laying unconscious, green flies all over, shoulder broken out, laying there suffering, dying. Long later, Billy come in there, lay the old possum, laying back there, and the little one's trying to nurse a little more milk from her. Life coming from the mother. She's still groaning terribly. She tried to get up, and she couldn't do it. She tried to get up, and she couldn't do it. I couldn't get that poor possum off my mind. I thought, God, I ought to go in and get a gun and kill that possum, but I can't do it. What's the matter with her? I walked up and down the floor. Daylight come. Old possum went in there. I went back up. Oh, God, there she is, that hot sun, laying right at my step. Started walking back through the floor. The blessed Holy Spirit stopped me. So you called her a lady. You took up far for being a real mother. And I sent her to your house to be prayed for. And you're letting her lay there like a woman at your doorstep. I said, God, forgive your stupid servant. I walked out there and said, God, if, if you are merciful enough to deal with that dumb animal who has got lady enough about her to raise her babies, to send an ignorant possum to my doorstep to be prayed for. Oh, God, heal the possum in Jesus' name, I pray. The old possum turned over and looked at me, raised up on her feet, picked up her babies and put them in there, as if to bow her head and said, thank you, and took off to the woods rejoicing. She knows a lot more than preachers do sometimes. She'll follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. If God can deal with a possum, how much could he deal with a human if you don't do it? No uncertain sound about that. God uses animals to teach services. Amen. Sure does. He used a mule one time to rebuke a backslidden preacher. Amen. Great Saint Francis of Assisi, who you Catholic people claim was a Catholic, but he wasn't. He protested the Catholic Church as hard as I do. But there was no other church in that day. So they tucked him and called him a saint. When he went out on the streets to preach the same gospel that I'm preaching now, the birds were shattered in the trees. He said, my little sisters, I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep still while I'm preaching and never bird hush their mouth. Hey. This is no uncertain sound. We're living in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, His blessings is here. God. Like a floor an airplane down yonder and hold it for the sake of a poor eager colored woman who didn't know her ABC to heal her boy with a venereal disease. You know the story. God that could speak to an eager possum when there's preachers in this city that would laugh about divine healing. 
People would turn up their nose and say I was crazy because I taught it. And God dealing with an eager possum because she was a lady, because she loved her children, because she was ready to die for them. The same God. We're sent here on this earth for different things. Some are sent to preach the gospel. Some are sent to prophesy. Some are sent to pray the prayer of faith. Some has gifts of healing. And the same God that spoke in our room that night or down here on the driving in that vision and told me Brother Bosworth is laying here at the point of death in South Africa. And the Holy Ghost beat the telegram here 24 hours. That same God, the same God for respects of loyalty. not even prayed up. And that poor little lady possum laid at my doorstep. When the sun was hot, she laid there faithfully. When the night come, her eyes would come open she could see, but the Holy Ghost wouldn't let her go. She lay there all night. She couldn't get up. And then in the early morning showing she'd been laying there around 24 hours waiting for her turn to be prayed for, for she was an animal. Amen. When the Holy Spirit said, go out there and pray for her, the God of heaven healed her. She quickly gathered up her little babies in her pocket and looked back to me with the saddest looking eyes I ever seen as did to say, thank you, kind sir. And down the road she went. She passed four other houses closer to the road than mine to turn into the gate. Amen. One, two, three, four. Fifth one she turned in, J-E-S-U-S. Amen. Dropped into the gate. She didn't wait out there in the bushes. She didn't wait in the shade. She tucked up through the sun to get to the doorstep. Amen. She laid there patiently, not growling, not murmuring, waiting for her turn to be prayed for. And then when I obeyed the Holy Spirit, God restored the health to the possum. She picked up her baby and went back into her place of abode. No uncertain sound. God, who numbers the feathers of the bird's wings, knows where one of them is. The God who numbers the hairs of your head. God, who rides on the wings of the morning. He who created the heavens and earth knows every creature and every being. He is God. This is His work. Heavens and earth will pass away, but it never will. Don't be deceived by doctrine of man. Believe God and live. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thy beloved Son, no uncertain sound. 
No uncertainty about this. He's the Son of God. He's virgin born. He came here under the power of God. He came here through the Virgin Mary. He suffered, bled, and died under Pontius Pilate. When they were delivered him up, the Jews crucified him and denied the just one. And it is written, why did the heathens rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Oh God, truly, by stretching forth thy hand to heal, that signs and wonders might be done in the last days to prove that this is the former and latter rain. The power of God is here. The sun shone at the day of Pentecost on the eastern people. It's shining on the western now. They mocked and made fun of it and said it was make-believe and called them witches and fortune-tellers and unbelievers and even killed and burned them at the stake and throwed them in oil. But thou was with them to deliver them. Thou art here today. You're here for the closing hour for even greater blessings for the farmer and latter rain should come together. And now, Father, if there be any uncertainty in any person's experience in this room, I pray, Father, that this hour they'll confine their faith not to their mental way of thinking, not to reasoning after man's doctrine, but to the believing of God's Word, to everlasting life. These blessings we ask in Jesus' name, my Son, with our heads bowed. I wonder if there's a person in here now would reverently raise your hand and say, I do this not to the preacher, but to God. God, change my way of thinking. I tried to reason how these things would be. I tried to reason what my neighbors would say if I was ever born again. If God ever blessed me in such a way that I would shout. If God ever blessed me in such a way that I would have an experience that would make me weep and I have to leave my associates. I've tried to reason it all out, God, but today I won't reason anymore. I'm right now raising my hand to you, God, and saying, this is my testimony. If you will take reasonings out of me and let my soul take its place to believe your word without reasoning, I'll believe it's a certain sound given to me. Will you raise your hand? Anybody in the building, wherever you are, God bless you, 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 and you, and you, and you. About 85% of the building. A reason. Cast down the reason. Cast them down. God don't want you to have reason. Reason always tries to find a way out. Faith don't reason. Faith just believes. Your mind, what makes you reason? It's a liar. The lie detector proves that. God's Bible first proves it. But your soul is immortal, brother, sister. Your reasoning power will leave you when death strikes you, but your soul will be with you through eternity. Won't you believe God's Word today and accept Him in a word of prayer? Someone else will raise your hand and say, Remember me now, Brother Brandon, while you're praying. I want to cast away reasoning. God bless you, little lady. That's another. God bless you, brother. I see you. God bless you, brother. I see you. God bless you, brother. You. Yes, sister. Somebody else. Somebody else. Raise your hand right quick. Say, God bless you, here, brother. God bless you, brother. Cast away reasoning. God bless you, sister. I see your hand. God bless you, sister. I see your hand. Don't reason anymore. Just believe. God bless you, sister. Someone else, just before we pray, I'm going to pray and ask God 
that he'll help you. He sees your hand. God bless you, young man. I see your hand. Someone else. God bless you, brother. I see your hand. Oh, the blessedness of believing. The blessing of not trying to figure it out. The blessing of just resting on God's word and say it's true. Go on. It's life. It's life. It's real living. My dear, loving old mother-in-law sitting back here, when I was telling her yesterday about it, she said, Billy, I had a clock and I couldn't make it run. So I just couldn't stay without that clock. I didn't have money to buy me another one. So I said, I got out and said, God, make that clock run for me, will you? Said she looked up and started running, just run perfectly. Her refrigerator, she said, a couple days after that, wouldn't defrost, kept defrosting. Just a little spot there would hold ice. She'd done everything she could do to keep it from defrosting, or keep it from defrosting, because she couldn't keep her butter stuff in it. Poor old thing, she's a widow. Her husband's in glory. That's my father-in-law. Give his last testimony over here on my left-hand side before he went home. She got down no, she didn't have money to buy another refrigerator. She said, God, will you be merciful to me again? You know me. Start my refrigerator to freeze again, will you? Then she got up and went and looked at the refrigerator and just rolls around. Be simple. Just ask. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to study it. Just believe it. Don't mentally figure it out. Just believe it with your soul. Our Heavenly Father, many raise their hands this morning. They won't pray. I pray, God, that this will be the final touch today. They won't reason anymore. They'll go believing. Granted, Lord, it's a certain sound. It's a gospel sound. The glorious jubilee year. The time of deliverance this year. Won't you please, Father, take each one of them into thy loving care and give them of the censor milk of the gospel now. And if they have already taken that, may they receive strong meat now and become full Christians. Never no more to tattle with the world and indulge in the world, but to be real men and women, believing the certain sound that the gospel is true no matter who says it's not. The Bible, every word is true. Man teach for doctrine the commandments of man, but God's word will never fail. May they believe it today. And those who did not raise their hands, really convinced, but did not raise their hands, we pray for them also, Lord that you'll be merciful to them. These blessings we ask, Father, because it's someday we are coming to judgment. And this morning's message will be brought into view at that day. And then, may their soul not haunt them, saying you should have did this, but may it be peace in the valley when they pass through. For in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.
Dear God, if there be in the midst of the people this day any afflictions, any diseases, anything that's wrong with their physical being, we pray, Father, as the Holy Spirit is here, just streaming out the blessings, cleansing our souls from all unrighteousness through the blood of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. May he today, with his great persuading spirit, his great healing virtues, let every clean soul look yonder to Calvary and say, There he was wounded for my transgressions. And with his stripes we were healed. Grant it. Now with our heads bowed, if there's any to be prayed for, for sickness, would you stand to your feet wherever you are? God bless you. That's right. Just stand right up. For the healing of the sick, 
the saving of the soul, restoring of those who are out. Through Jesus' name. My faith was Oh. 